Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Now, live and direct from the press box at Old Comiskey Park, it's time for when football was football. Let's join your host, Joe Ziemba, with another forgotten tale from Chicago's pro football history. Let's go! Back in 1920, Senator George Trafton of the Decatur Staley's was so despised that the fans of the Rock Island Independence nearly caused a riot trying to crucify him after one game. The reason? Trafton had merely knocked three of the Rock Island players out of the game, cleverly rearranging the betting chances of those same excitable Independence followers. And many will recall that as the Staley's headed north in 1921 and eventually emerged as the Chicago Bears, Trafton was a fixture in the starting lineup for coach George Hallis until 1932, missing only the 1922 season. He was later inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1964, but his reputation always loomed in the background. As one writer once noted, Trafton was strongly disliked in every city in the NFL except Green Bay and Rock Island. In those places, he was hated. Despite his blurry reputation as an absolute monster on the field, Trafton is one of two former Chicago NFL professionals who actually became quite successful as head coaches in the Canadian professional ranks. And that will be our topic for this episode of When Football Was Football on the Sports History Network. Our other coaching standout is Frank Pop Ivey who made his name on the gridiron with the Chicago Cardinals, helping his team to the 1947 NFL Championship despite an injured shoulder. Like Trafton, Ivy worked his way north and compiled one of the more dominant records in Canadian history before returning to the NFL to head up the Cardinals. While Trafton may have earned more accolades on the field, it was Pop Ivy who secured more successful results as a coach. Let's begin with Trafton, whose career began in college with an ill-fated stop at Notre Dame in 1919 under coach Newt Rockney. The Irish finished 9-0 that season with sophomore war veteran Trafton holding down the center spot. However, following the conclusion of the Notre Dame season, Trafton played two games as a professional gritter under an alias during the Christmas holidays in Chicago. It took only a few days for Notre Dame to swiftly act on Trafton's athletic future, according to the South Bend Tribune newspaper, which said, It has been satisfactorily proven to the local officials that Trafton played under an assumed name with the Callertons and the Racine Cardinals, both professional aggregations. If that information is accurate, then Trafton likely played in an indoor game with the Kellertons on December 28th, when that club lost the Chicago Football League Championship to the Pullman Thorns 7-0. Then on January 4th, 1920, 
the Cardinals met the local tornadoes in another indoor clash. Trafton probably returned to campus on Monday, January 5th, 1920, and immediately faced questions regarding his fun-filled holiday activities. His loss was a huge one for the Irish, since Trafton was also a shot putter on the track team and the center on the basketball squad. With his collegiate eligibility erased due to his two games with the professionals, Trafton quickly signed to play professional hoops with, we're not making this name up, with the Beloit Fairies in Wisconsin, and later in the year began his pro-grid career with the Decatur Staley's. Almost immediately, Trafton discovered new ways to use his bulk on the basketball court. In his first game with Beloit, the Fairies demolished Stoughton 39-10, and the Beloit News described the rough and tumble action, saying, the fairies polished them off with basketball, fisticuffs, and other diversions as the evening was a full one. Brum of Stoughton furnished Trafton with fistic amusement. Of course, Trafton's reputation accelerated while with the Chicago Bears, and he enjoyed being called, quote, the toughest man in football, unquote. Even his revered teammate Red Grain said of Trafton, he was the toughest, meanest, most ornery critter alive. He ensured his legacy for all time by being the first center to snap the football using just one hand. And on defense, he was the first center to drop back into pass coverage. At six foot two and 235 pounds, Trafton was a big man for his era and was an all NFL choice six times during his career. But how would that aggressiveness translate on the coaching side? Initially, after his playing career concluded just prior to the 1933 season, Trafton remained with the Bears as an assistant coach and scout. He also operated a gym on Randolph Street in Chicago, where he famously sold his share of heavyweight boxing champ Joe Lewis's contract, and this was before Lewis hit the big time. By chance, Trafton ran into head coach Curly Lambeau of the Green Bay Packers before the 1944 season, and was not shy about his perception of the Packers, Trafton said. What's wrong with that club of yours? They don't scrap back like they did at the old Green Bay crowd. Why, right now in this dinner jacket, I could uh, chase those mugs out of the park. To which Lambeau replied, you convince me. You've got a job. Show up in Green Bay on August 20th. The Packers grabbed the NFL title that year, but Trafton moved over to the Cleveland slash Los Angeles Rams from 1945 through 1949 before he received his first head coaching opportunity in 1951 with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Canada. In just three years, he managed to lead the Blue Bombers to the Grey Cup championship game, losing to Hamilton 12-6 on November 28, 1953. Less than two weeks later, however, Trafton was fired after compiling a 28-17-1 record, and he commented, I made a mistake finishing in first place in 1953. If I had just been content to make the Western playoffs every year in second or third place, I might have been coaching in Winnipeg until I was older than Amos Alonzo Stagg. Of course, at that time, Stagg was still coaching in the collegiate ranks in his early 90s. When asked again later about his departure from Winnipeg, Trafton's comments were not so pleasant. Specifically, he was asked about the executives of the Winnipeg club and responded, eh, they're okay in their way. The local situation could be improved by five or six fatal automobile accidents. Whew. 
Sadly or maybe not, George Trafton never coached football again. He passed away in 1971 at the age of 74. Lee Frank, Pop Ivy's football career was not nearly as exciting or controversial as George Trafton's, but Ivy certainly was a name to fear for his opponents in Canada. He earned the nickname Pop for his premature hair loss, and I understand this, while playing in Oklahoma. Ivy secured All-American honors as an end during his senior year and was drafted in the fourth round of the 1940 NFL Draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. After being traded to the Chicago Cardinals that year, Ivy was a two-way performer on the field and was second in the league in receptions in 1942 with 27. He also made his only All-Pro team following that season. Like many of his generation, Ivy entered the military during World War II and missed the 1943 and 1944 seasons, as well as most of the 1945 campaign. He played with the Cardinals through 1947 and helped the club to its last NFL championship in 1947. Ivy returned to Oklahoma as an assistant coach from 1948 through 53 before accepting the head coaching slot for the Edmonton Eskimos in 1954. And this is where Ivy became a phenomenal success. The Eskimos snared three consecutive Grey Cup championships, that's the league championship game, from 1954 through 56, with Ivy leading his club through a combination of innovation, unusual techniques, and good old-fashioned football. Ivy collected 50 wins over those four seasons with just 14 losses, a winning percentage of 78%. Overall, with an 11-4 playoff mark, Ivy wrapped up his stay in Canada with a 61-18 record. Most importantly, Ivy dominated the league with gutsy formations and variations of traditional strategies. For example, he created what was known back then as the lonesome quarterback. And that was uh, something which has survived to this day through several evolutions as the shotgun offense. In addition, he took advantage of the larger field with short kickoffs and utilized the extra player allowed in Canada to initiate the twin fullback set. With such an appealing record, Ivy was in demand from teams looking for an innovative coach in the National Football League. After a 14-2 campaign with the Eskimos in 1957, Ivy was persuaded by his old NFL team, the struggling Chicago Cardinals, to take over the head coaching reins in 1958. His initial foray into the NFL ranks was not nearly as successful in Chicago, as the Cardinals finished with a 2-9-1 mark in 1958. But it wasn't for lack of trying by their coach. Ivy was the subject of a lengthy feature article in Sports Illustrated where writer Tex Mall praised Ivy's unique approach to the game, including his inventive new formation. Mall wrote, It's an odd formation devised by Frank Pop Ivy, the Cardinals' new head coach. Pop calls it the Jack and Jill formation. Others call it anything from a spread T or a triple wing to less complimentary names when it breaks loose a Cardinal back or gets an end in the open. However, it is unlikely that the Ivy look will take over as quickly as did the T formation, since the Cardinals are not likely to set the world on fire this year. Ivy's unorthodox offense has put them in third place in the league in total offense, but a leaky defense has accounted for an anemic 2-3 record to date. 
and it would get no better that season for Pop Ivy. Although Ivy was never able to duplicate his phenomenal Canadian record in the NFL, he did conclude his stint with the Cardinals after four seasons with a 15-31-2 ledger. Ivy resigned from that position on December 6, 1961, and quickly signed on as head coach with the Houston Oilers in the American Football League. In Houston, Ivy regained some of his coaching magic and led the Oilers to an 11-3 mark before losing the 1962 AFL Championship 20-17 in double overtime to the Dallas Texans. After slipping to a 6-8 finish in 1963, Ivy was relieved of his head coaching position, but remained in the game as an assistant coach and scout with the New York Giants through 1984. The veteran coach passed away on May 17, 2003, at the age of 87. And so we conclude our journey into the lives of two intriguing but different NFL players who each left an impact on both the playing field and in the coaching ranks of the Canadian Football League, known then as the Western Interprovincial Football Union. And speaking of coaches, please join us next time on the Sports History Network as we answer the question, what happened to the Chicago Bears when George Hallis went off to war? Thank you once again for listening to When Football Was Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. We at the Sports History Network are so glad to introduce to you a new addition to our lineup. Gridiron Greats Magazine Podcast is a weekly podcast that focuses on the history and memorabilia of North American football since its inception in 1869. It's hosted by Bob Swick, the publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and Joe Squire's a longtime contributor to that magazine. The podcast was launched in 2017 and has over 150 episodes that you can listen to now on a Sports History Network, as well as your favorite podcast provider. So join Bob and Joe as they go through football history, talking about the memorabilia and the great legendary players and games of the American Gridiron on the Gridiron Greats Magazine Podcast.